Thanks for joining us this week on Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. Well, I'm extremely excited this week about our podcast. I've been thinking about it uh, nonstop, and I've got a really good friend, a lady that I have known for several years. And actually, um, I got to know Tracy because she attended the same church that I attended, and we were looking for volunteers who could come help our ministry do the things that we do. And Tracy volunteered. I can't remember for how long, but she volunteered for quite some time. And then eventually, we loved her so much, and she did such a great job, we asked her if she would be hired on on a part-time basis. And Tracy was with us. I don't even remember how long, but it was a blessing to have her with us until she eventually moved to Alabama. So extremely excited today about having my dear friend Tracy on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you not entertained? Get busy living or get busy dying. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Well, Tracy, welcome to today's podcast. Well, thank you, Jay. I I'm excited, I guess, to talk to you. I was, you know, I was hesitant at first, but um, I think it's going to be a great uh, time for us to talk about some things that I know you've been wanting to talk about. Yeah, well, for our listeners, I, I called Tracy. I've known Tracy for quite a long time. And to kind of set this up in a minute, I'm going to let her give a little bit of a background. But I've known Tracy for several years. And Tracy is African-American, and she is a great lady. She's a godly lady. She truly is a friend of mine. And so throughout the years, I have called to ask her her opinion on different things. Sometimes I'll instant message her, sometimes email her. Sometimes I just call her. And so um, we were planning our next podcast, and nobody could have been a better fit than Tracy because she's somebody I have great respect for. Um, I know her husband, her family. They're just great people. And Tracy's a very intelligent lady, very educated lady. And um, so I'm just tickled to death to have her on. She was a little hesitant at first, but we're glad to have her on. Tracy, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you would, tell our listeners, because obviously I've known you for quite some time, tell our listeners a little bit about you, your background, maybe your education, your service. Just, just set them up and let them know a little bit about Tracy. Okay. Well, I was, um, I guess I'll start out with I'm a military brat. My <laughs> father was in the military, so I moved around a lot. So when people say, where are you from? I don't really have a specific place that I was from since we moved all over the place. But um, I also, when I grew up and went to college and ended up joining the military myself, so I spent about a little over seven years in the military myself and ended up marrying a military man, and we've been... I guess, and moving around, I think my, I think we counted over 13 times in 26 years. So we did wow. a lot of moving around. And in that time, we had, you know, three children, and they all grew up. And we, um, husband retired from the military, and so now we have settled down and, and retired, semi-retirement, I guess you'd say. But I guess over that time, you know, we've, Experienced a lot of things, of course. We 
you know, always found a good church home wherever we went and tried to raise our kids to be, you know, Christian and, and to be involved in church. So that's one of the things that was important to us wherever we went. And as you said, Dave, we ended up in, in Wichita Falls at one point and that's where we met and I worked for you for a while and really enjoyed, you know, spending time and with you and everybody on your staff and working with the ministry and all that kind of stuff. Well, you were such a huge blessing then and your friendship is now. And as I stated earlier uh, to our listeners, I know her husband, Tracy kind of downplays it, but Tracy has a master's degree from a major university. She's extremely intelligent. And uh, regarding her husband, I'm not good with military rank, Tracy, but is it Lieutenant Colonel? I know he was very high ranking in the military. He was a colonel. He uh, retired as a colonel. And full I, isn't that like one step away from a general? Isn't that correct? I, again, I don't know military jargon. It now. is. It is. Yeah. I mean, so uh, her, I know Daryl, again, her husband, super guy, somebody that, that I have great respect for as well. And so I called Tracy, and you'd have to be hidden somewhere to not recognize What's going on in our nation right now? Of course, there's a lot of issues. People are talking about coronavirus. That's a big deal. Global warming is a big deal. And, and then we've seen a lot of racial division. And um, I really want to talk to Tracy uh, today uh, about some of that. And I was on the phone with her just last week. And one of the things that I asked her, and, and hopefully she'll elaborate on this today, but um, I asked her if she felt that the racial division was as prevalent as the media makes it out to be. And I told her, I said, in my opinion, I think that certainly there's racial division and certainly there are many people who are prejudiced. But I told Tracy that I didn't personally believe that it was as widespread as the media made it out to be. And I was asking Tracy her opinion on it. And uh, Tracy had a different viewpoint. Tracy felt like that it wasn't overstated. And um, Tracy actually asked me a question that um, really got me to thinking. She asked me if I thought that racism was, if I thought it was very prevalent in the city in which I live here in North Texas. And I said, no, I don't. I, I really don't. I said, I, I went to a 5A high school and, um, I mean, played ball four years with um, Hispanics, um, Black Americans, I mean, we had the whole gauntlet, and I never saw any of that. And so, and and I don't know anybody personally. I mean, I'm, I know a lot of people in this town, but I don't personally know anybody um, who's racist. And so I asked Tracy, do you think it's as prevalent? She thought it was. And uh, Tracy, give a little insight as to why that you don't think it's overstated in the media. And maybe even some of the experiences that you've had. Uh, I know you mentioned the other day some experiences that your mom has had and and um, and some that you've had. I, I think I told you when we were talking, uh, it would be hard for you to experience racism. You're, you're a white male in a mostly white area, and there would be no reason why you would even probably notice racism. But when, you know, we talked about Wichita Falls, for example, and when I moved there, I told you I moved into an area that was mostly white, older, older people there. And when we moved in, everybody looked outside and stared at us. And, you know, we were, they were watching us move in and 
people were watching us. I found out later people were watching us when we, you know, we didn't even know they were watching us. I mean, they would make comments later and say, well, you guys were doing this or you were doing that. And I was, and I would wonder, well, when did they even see us doing this? Because there's nobody outside, and I, you know, when we were doing that. But people would watch us. The other thing was um, being followed in gift shops. I mean, I would shop in little, you know, little gift shops that you could pick up, you know, little cutesy things for your friends or whatever. And, I mean, the sales lady would follow me all around the store. I mean, at one point, she almost was bumped into me when I turned around. He was that close wow. to me, pretty much. And, um, you know, there's you know, a few other incidents. And, I mean, that's just in Wichita Falls. And I, I told you about my mother and how when she built a house near the water and a lady knocked on her door and asked, um, is she here? And my mom asked, well, is who here? And the lady looked behind her and said, is she here? Is the lady of the house here? So she assumed my mother was the maid because she lived in a nice house, you know, close to the water and, and you know, close to the beach. And she just made that assumption because my mother was black. And, I mean, there's a host of other, you know, things like that that I could tell you. But, you know, from your perspective, you would never know those things are there because, you know, you say racism isn't prevalent, but... Maybe overt racism isn't. I mean, if you have, you know, the people that are overtly racist because, you know, they're going to make themselves known. They're going to say, make, you know, say racial slurs. They're going to, you know, you will know those people. But the covert with the, the subtle racism, you don't see that unless you experience it. And your, your friends that you say, I don't know anybody who's racist, but you would never know that because they're not going to treat you that way. Right, yeah. I, I thought a lot about this last week when, when you told me that. And, and honestly, it was a huge eye-opener because, as I stated, I don't know anybody who's racist. Um, I've never mm-hmm. seen anyone act that way. But just because I haven't seen it or experienced it in regards to anything, it doesn't, doesn't mean that it hasn't happened to other people. And it was dumbfounding right. to me. You know, I, I know that you just even, you know, you hear about people – uh, that are black Americans dealing with police officers. I mean, I've never had um, any kind of an altercation or any kind of trouble, but as you said, um, it, it, and when you told me this last week, I mean, honestly, it, it troubled me, and I, I did think about it a lot, and I wondered if, and I was telling Kyle, uh, one, of our, one of our team members, I was telling Kyle, I said, you know, in retrospect and thinking about what Tracy said, I wonder if those people were really racist. I mean, there's no doubt that that you were treated differently than I've ever been treated in this city. I've lived here the most of my life. I lived in San Antonio for a few years, and I lived in Kansas City for a few years. But I've never experienced the things that you have. And again, just because I haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it's not there. But I began to wonder, Tracy, if if those people, mm-hmm. and, and obviously I can't judge anybody's heart as to whether or not they actually are racist, but one thing is undeniably true. And, and this is what I told Kyle. I said, I, I can't say whether those encounters were racism or not, but I can say this. At the very least, if they weren't racist, 
what they were is Tracy was treated differently than I was simply because of the color of Tracy's skin. Tracy's educated. She's a godly person. She's a mother. She's a wife, uh, a very faithful lady. Uh, and I might say, honestly, you're a very classy lady. And you were treated differently um, for no other reason than just the color of your skin. And that in and of itself troubles me. Yeah, well... And I can't, like you said, I can't say what's in people's hearts. I don't know what they really think or what they're believing. But And it may not be, I would say, like you said, like I said, they may not be overt racism. Some people may not even know that they are discriminating. Or maybe it's something like, you know, it's just something that's um, learned. Because, I mean, if you see a black person walking down the street, People are just afraid. They just, they've learned to be afraid. They really, you know, have a reason to be afraid of that particular person, but that's something they've learned and they don't know that person. Later, if they got to know that person, they may feel differently. But so some of it's racism. Some of it could just be, I guess, I, for a lack of another term, ignorance. Because mm-hmm. they don't know that person or they've never known a black person or it could be a host of other things. But like you said, if you're treating somebody different because it's based on the color of their skin, then there's a problem there, whether right. you call it racism or discrimination or whatever you want to call it. No doubt. And, and, and that in and of itself undeniably is wrong. The, the, the thing I wonder, though, sometimes I feel like the media paints every scenario as a racist scenario when that's not the case. I know one of the things you asked me when we were on the phone last week talking, um, you said, Jay, what would you do if you saw three black guys walking down your street? Well, that kind of caught me off guard. We actually do have, there's a a lady who is a, a doctor. She's a single mom and she has a very young son. And she lives two houses down from me. I mean, I'm talking 50 yards uh, from my home. But other than that, I don't know of any other black Americans that live in our neighborhood. And you asked this question, what would you do if you saw three black teenagers or three black men walking down your cul-de-sac late one evening? And my response, my honest response to you was, well, um, I'll tell you what I wouldn't do. What I wouldn't do is I wouldn't call the police. I wouldn't go get my my pistol and walk out the front door, but I would be suspicious. I wouldn't be suspicious because they were black. I wouldn't be suspicious if it were three Hispanics because they were Hispanic. I would be suspicious only because of the standpoint of we only have that I know of the, as I mentioned, the single mom who lives literally almost right next door to me. But other than that, we don't have any Hispanics that live in my neighborhood or black Americans that live in my neighborhood, which I would be, it would be something out of the norm. But I think the media would portray that. If that same question was asked me, and let's say I were on CNN or Fox like I have been in the past, and somebody asked me that question, and I said I was suspicious without being able to give an explanation of why, I think it would immediately be portrayed as, well, Jay Louder's a racist. And that's not the case at all. Do you think sometimes, my point is, is do you think that sometimes that there are things using that as a potential example that can be labeled as racist, as a form of race baiting, uh, as a form of more media coverage, when that really wouldn't be what the case that it is? Well, I guess it depends on the situation. Because if you say, well, I'm not suspicious if I see 
three black young men walking down the street. Am I going to be suspicious if I see three white males walking down the street that I don't know? Or are you going to be just as suspicious? Or are you just going to, just going to, it's not even going to catch your eye that they're walking down the street because they're white and you see white people walking down your street all the time. So, I mean, I guess that would be the difference. Would that be, would you say, I mean, you're saying is it race baiting, but I mean, is it racial because you notice a black or Hispanic person because there's no Hispanic or black people in your neighborhood, yet you don't notice a white person who could be actually up to no good in your neighborhood, but because you don't pay attention to them, you know, because there's always white people. You know, that's a good question. Is that racism? Yeah. I just feel like sometimes the media is trying to create a narrative that in some cases doesn't exist. I, I told you a story when uh, years ago, obviously before I became a believer, um, I was on mm-hmm. uh, in, in another part of town that is predominantly uh, black Americans. And uh, again, obviously I was lost and I was in a brand new Chevy Tahoe. It wasn't mine, but it was a guy that I was riding with. And we went over to um, this part of town because one of the guys that we were with wanted to get an eight ball of cocaine. And there's a street in this uh, side of town called Flood Street. And it it's not near as bad as it used to be, but, I mean, it's a known crime area. There's a lot of drug dealing over there. There were used to be a lot of shootings and bars. I mean, it's just a real rough part of town. And when we went over there to get a, a an eight ball, we pulled, I mean, we no sooner pulled, turned on Flood Street. And as soon as we did, a black police officer pulled us over. Now, Again, I don't, I don't know that black police officer, and I'm not qualified or quantified to say that he was racist or he's not. My suspicion is that he immediately pulled us over, not because we were white. I think he pulled us over because a similar example. I, I think seeing white guys in a predominantly black area that is a known crime area, his immediate suspicion was these guys are up to no good. And so... Again, I, to, I, I can't judge the man's heart, but I just can't help but wonder if sometimes the media might not take one scenario or the other as to portray something that's that's not always there. And, and you know, I, I don't know that I know the answer to that. I just sometimes feel like, especially here as of late, that the media in some ways is almost trying to turn the country against one another. Do you feel that at all? Or do you feel like it's good because it's exposing something that hasn't been exposed at the level it should be? Well, I think it is exposing a lot of things that have been going on for years and years that you know need to be out in the open. And I'm not saying that every single police incident where a, a white police officer pulled over a black person or vice versa is a racial incident. I mean, you're in a society, you know, you have police officers of all different races and people of all different races. So, I mean, different people are going to, different racial people are going to encounter each other. So every single time, no, that's not going to be the case. But there are times where, you know, uh, like you said, in your case, you were white in a black neighborhood, you're black in a white neighborhood, the police are going to, pull you over simply because you're black in a white neighborhood. Or like you said, you know, you see three young men walking down the black men walking down the street. Well, they, you automatically think they don't belong here. So the police may stop those people. But, I mean, to say that it's the, 
the media is trying to make it worse. I don't know if that's the case. I think it's always been bad. It's just that now it's coming out in the open. And you, more, I think, I, I would say more white people are noticing it out in the open. Mm-hmm. Because, it's, you know, they're showing the more blatant things that have happened. Do you think it's helpful, Tracy, what's going on in the media where, I mean, it seems like almost nonstop that, you're hearing something about racism or you're seeing different forms of racism. Do you think it's overplayed? Are you glad that this is being highlighted? Do you think it's too much in your opinion as a black American? No, I think, I think that it should have been done a long time ago because things are not going to change unless people take notice of it. If you keep things like, you know, as the Bible says, you keep things in the dark and they're hidden in the dark, people ignore them. And then you need, Somebody, or in the case of the Bible, you need Jesus to shine a light on it and put it out in the open. When it's out in the open, then people will take notice and something will be done about it. As long as we keep it, you know, kind of in the shadows of America and, oh, there's racism back there, but, you know, we'll just keep it back there in our our closet, ignore it, then we're never going to fix the problem. Right. So in order to fix it, we need to bring it out where everybody can see it. And it's, the, it's the media or social media or however is the way to do it. Activism, if that's, if that's the way to do it, then we need to do it because it won't change any other way. Well, there's so many things right now, Tracy, that are being assimilated with with uh, racism. And, and, and I'd like to hit on a few of those today. Now, again, we've already said that not only did you serve uh, our country, uh, and your husband served the country. I mean, you guys have a military background. Um, mm-hmm. There's a huge controversy, and it's been going on for quite some time, ever since the Colin Kaepernick thing about kneeling for the flag. And there's a large contingency of people who say that kneeling for the the, the flag is anti-God, anti-America. And then you hear a lot of people on the other side of the fence saying, well, this has nothing to do with being anti-military or anti-America. Uh, it, it's bringing light to an issue. As someone who not only has put their life on the line, served in the military, and had a husband who, who did so, who, who literally traveled all over the world living in different locations in order to serve our country, I'd be curious, Tracy, what is your opinion about this whole thing about kneeling for the flag? Well, like you said, I mean, I've been in the military. My father was in the military. My husband's been in the military. And so we have served our country, and I will definitely say I have paid my dues to this country in more ways than one. So, I mean, I can say that what we did was fight for your right, my right, everybody's right to protest in any way they see fit, and peaceful protest, but protest, and the right to, you know, their constitutional right to do that. So... I mean, kneeling, to me, kneeling, that is a peaceful protest. If that's, and if that's all that he's doing is to bring um, light on to uh, what's happening with black, black people and the black lives, then, I mean, that's fine with me. He's not hurting anything. He's not hurting anybody. He's not hurting you know, himself. It's, all he's doing is, and other people are doing are trying to get people to notice. And that is exactly what they did. Now, they probably didn't think that people were going to react so negatively, but it did bring it did bring them notice. And the, I mean, the flip side of that is, well, now they're going to protest in the streets, and people complain about that. Well, 
why aren't they protesting peacefully? I mean, I don't agree with the looting and that kind of thing, rioting that kind of thing, but even just peaceful protesting, people had a problem with that. So what way would be okay to protest? There's never a right way to protest for some reason, no matter what. People are going to have a problem no matter what you do. I'd be curious, Tracy, would you or your husband, I mean, would y'all feel comfortable? And before you answer that, I know for me personally, and I agree with the people like you and your father and your husband, I mean, you guys fought for the right for people to have a peaceful protest. That is a right. And there's no debate as to whether or not it is a right. However, there are certain things that we, we have a right. I'm not necessarily talking about uh, uh, kneeling for the, the national anthem, but there's certain things we have a right to do that necessarily not, are not always right. Um, I grew up, my grandfather fought in World War II, and so um, I'd hear my mom tell stories um, about my granddad going to rodeos. And if somebody didn't take their hat off during the national anthem, I mean, my grandfather, I'm not, I'm not justifying it, but my grand, he's a pretty salty guy, but my grandfather would literally tell people in the audience, hey, you know, um, you're going to take your hat off or we're going to square off and settle this another way. Now, again, I'm, I'm certainly not justifying that. I'm just simply saying that I grew up underneath that. And so I've, the, 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 the flag and the national anthem has always held a, a special place with me. And I personally would never kneel during the national anthem. But again, to say that anybody else doesn't have the right, just because I wouldn't do it, I wouldn't say that. I'd be curious, would you or Daryl, would that be something that you guys would feel comfortable, you know, kneeling during a national anthem? Obviously, I know you're not sports figures, but, I mean, would y'all feel comfortable doing that? Well, probably at this point, I'd say no. I mean, I, mean, I like you said, I agree with people and their right to do that. I don't have a problem with anybody doing it. But personally, would I do it today? No. Would I say I would never do it? I can't honestly say that in a certain situation or if things got to a certain point that I would not do it. Right. Well, and now this, I can't speak for my husband, but <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, and, and this isn't, I don't want to get too far from this rabbit hole of Colin Kaepernick. He's no hero to me in any way, shape or form. I'm not anti Colin. I'm not for a Colin. I just, he's a non-issue with me, but obviously he was the catalyst that kind of sparked this whole thing. And, and I think one thing I will say about him in regards to kind of being the, the spark for all this, I think that he wouldn't have gotten so much negative feedback were there not the other things on the outside perimeters, i.e. wearing a, a shirt at, I don't know, a training camp or a workout that had Fidel Castro's picture on it, whether wearing socks that said something about something calling police pigs. I, I, I think that kind of distorted um, – the perception of why he was doing what he's doing. But I'm with you. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, people have a right to do that. And just because I personally uh, have certain rights that I would or would not follow uh, doesn't mean that I can expect everybody else to, to, to follow those. Another thing that right now kind of in this same vein is you see all this, um, the statue situation. You know, we got to take down all the statues and some of them seem extremely strange to me. For example, um, I know I can't remember what city it was, but they were going to tear down, or they did tear down, a statue of Abraham Lincoln. I'd be curious what your perspective is, Tracy, on this whole thing about you know removing statues. And let me say before you answer, um, and and this this thing goes so so far and wide. Uh, I go fishing, I fish a lot, and on my way there, 
I would fight for anybody's right to fly the Confederate flag. I personally would mm -hmm. never fly it. To me, it's offensive. Now, if somebody came to me and said, Jay, I've got the right to fly it, I'd say, well, yeah, you do, and, 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 and that's your business. I wouldn't do it. And every time when I go fishing at my cousin's place, this guy's got a trailer off on the side of this country road. I have to drive right by it. I don't know this guy from Adam. I know nothing about him. And I'm not judging him. I'm saying, for me personally, when I drive by and see this Confederate flag flying, it bothers me. And I usually reference it to whoever's with me. Now, so there are a lot of things on the parameters, whether it's the Confederate flag. But again, the, the big issue I think right now, and I guess the Confederate flag is one of them too, because I know NASCAR, they're now banning that because a lot of people see that as a symbol of hate. And I think that's the reason that a lot of people are wanting to tear down statues. I'd be curious, what is your perspective on that? I mean, that's something we're seeing in the media all the time. Well, the Confederate statues, I agree. I don't know why we have those where they are. I mean, they can be, I, I don't, and I don't advocate getting rid of them completely because that is part of America's history. And I think we need to always remember where we come from. So we'll, you know, remember that. And so we hopefully not repeat, repeat the past. But, um, I think there is a place for those and uh, museums or, and things like that are a place where you can put those statues and other things, artifacts from, from Civil War and people can go there and look at them and remember what happened. But do we need to put them in a place of honor? No, I don't think so. I mean, like, you know, I've fought in the military. I've been in the military. My husband's in the military. My father's in the military. We fought for the union, the union won. I mean, what other country flies a flag and honors the losing side? I mean, there's no reason to do that. I mean, this is America, the United States of America. It is not the United Confederate States. And those things need to be put where they, you know, in, in a proper place, in a museum somewhere, so that we can remember them and move on. I, I don't see a reason to... Um, just honor them or anything like that because those are people that fought against the United States. They wanted to break the United States apart. So you can sympathize with some of the animosity or the ill will that people feel. You understand, For you, you're able to understand why many people who are black Americans feel offended by that or feel as though it's a symbol of the wrong thing. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Confederacy, I mean, I know people say a lot of reasons why the, you know, the Civil War happened other than slavery, but the bottom line is they wanted to keep slavery. And for African Americans, that, you know, was a bad time for us. And to continue to put those things on a pedestal, I mean, that, that's the strength of the black people, period. So I don't know why people would want to keep those things out there unless they just, A, are racist, or B, just don't care about their fellow man and how they feel. Or I don't know what other reason they, they would want to keep those things out there and continue to, you know, honor them. Yeah, well, and I made a statement earlier about, you know, that just because a person has a right to do something doesn't mean that it's always right. And we've all heard this statement, and I think there's merit to it, that 
my rights end where another begins. Paul considered the the greatest Christian in probably the history of the world talks about this in the New Testament, about how there were certain things that were permissible for him to do, and he used the word expedient, but he said there are certain things that are permissible for me to do, but they're not expedient. In other words, even though it's okay for me to do them, it's it's not the right thing for me to do them because they could be a stumbling block. Now, he was talking more along the lines of eating certain foods, but Paul was saying, hey, I've got the right to do this, but I'm not going to do mm-hmm. it because other people's feelings or the way that it might negatively impact them, I'm willing to shoulder, I'm willing to put in the back seat my rights because of the feelings and the thoughts of other people. I mean, that's not a Jay Louder concept. That's a New Testament concept. And do you think that that applies right. somewhat to what we're talking about here? Oh, yes, definitely. But I think the other thing is a lot of people just don't care. You know, they're, I mean, like you said, they don't care about their fellow man. They don't care that it's going to, you know, hurt somebody's feelings or make them upset or, you know, feel bad about themselves or feel bad about a situation. People just don't care about their fellow man. They care about themselves and, you know, their own, how happy they are. And if it makes them happy, then, you know, everybody else can, you know, go have a seat kind of thing. So it, it, I think the, the uh, problem is maybe more of a, I want to say a heart problem in America. We're getting to the point where everybody is just pitted against each other and nobody wants to you know, look at look at the other person and empathize with the other person and put themselves in the other person's shoes. They just want to say, well, the heck with them. I'm, you know, this is it's my way or the highway. Right. And that's and the way it's going to be. Sometimes it's hard to do that because even as you mentioned earlier about your experience in a city that I've spent most of my life in, you know, when, when you told me about how that it, at the very least you were treated different. I mean, I honestly, it blew my mind. Um, and as you said earlier, obviously, I, my experience, your experience nor mine is the experience of everybody for sure. But I, it was just unfathomable to me that because of having lived here, that you had some of the experiences that you do knowing you the way that I do. I mean, it, 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 it bothered me. It, it bothered me greatly. And so I, I do think there's a whole premise there that that people don't take in consideration other people's feelings. But I think sometimes it's hard to do that because their experience is so diametrically different. In regard to the statues, I've never given any thought personally to the statues one way or the other until all these things started happening in the United States here this year. Um, It wasn't Mm -hmm. never that I was for. I mean, I've walked past statues. We have them right here in Wichita Falls at Memorial Auditorium. I've walked past that statue a thousand times. And honestly, I couldn't tell you for a million dollars who it is, what it's about. I know it's been a lightning rod lately, but it's just something that never came to mind. And I think sometimes it's difficult for people to put themselves in another person's shoes, i.e. like the experiences you had in Wichita Falls, because they're so foreign to the ones that I've had. Right. And, you know, we talk too. it's important, you know, that, and, and I made this statement to you, I think it's important for all of us that we can't say that our experience, just because it's our experience, makes something empirical truth. I can't make a theology out of my experience because my experience is limited. It doesn't lessen the importance of my experience, 
but it just means that I can't necessarily say that because my experience has been one thing or you or anybody else that that's everyone else's experience as well. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. And that when you said that, you know, I was on a Zoom call last night with about six of my sorority sisters, all black professional women. And one of them, you know, made a comment that what an anomaly that was that you'd have, you know, a group of professional black women that, you know, together, we were, we're all friends, you know, we've been friends for a long time. But what one thing that we have in common is that we've all had similar experiences with racism. And I guess, like you said, we're all educated, you know, we're all Christians, we're all, you know, good people, you know, we're mothers and, you know, living, living good lives and we're all, you know, relatively very successful. But we still have to deal with racial issues. And to, to, you know, say that, well, my experience is different from your experience. Well, yeah, but, and it doesn't negate one or the other. That's true. But we can't also say that it doesn't happen because it does happen to a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. You can't minimize it. And I'm certainly not saying that at all. I wouldn't want to minimize Mm -hmm. it anybody's. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to say that because, I've had this certain experience with this certain person or this certain group that 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 holds true for everybody. I'd be curious, Tracy, what your opinion is on Black Lives Matter. Now, when I when I ask the question, I'm not asking what your opinion is on the statement Black Lives Matter. Obviously, I agree that Black Lives Matter. For me personally, I don't agree with the group because for me, with what I know about the group, and obviously it's not exhaustive information, but from what I know about the group, um, a lot of the monies uh, is funded politically to a certain party. And so for me personally, while I don't have a problem with the statement Black Lives Matter or the slogan Black Lives Matter, I do take issue with the organization um, and it being more of a political organization. I'd be curious what your take on that is. Well, to be honest, I don't follow the organization that much other than I know that it started I guess back when um, the Trayvon Martin issue happened, he was killed. But I don't really follow the the official group Black Lives Matter, matter you know, what they do or where their money comes from and all that kind of stuff at all. So I couldn't really speak to that. As far as, like you said, the saying, the slogan Black Lives Matter, I think that is, is fine. The, the, I guess the issue it comes in when the response is all lives matter or blue lives matter. And that is just a way to negate the fact that there's a problem with racism in America and black people getting disproportionately killed by by police in America, which we're trying to shine a light on. And to say all lives matter pretty much negates that or is a way to negate that or lessen that. You know, Tracy, I, I, I read some information and when you said that it's disproportionate uh, and I can't, I wish I could quote where it was, but I, I saw some information and, and again, I, I just, I just can't recall where it was. I wondered if you have as well, because I do hear this statement a lot that black Americans are disproportionately killed by police officers. Some statistics that I saw seem to negate that. Have you seen any of that at all that percentage wise that it's not really accurate or, or, or is the research that you've done that's that's a valid fact? Well, 
the research I've done is said that it's about two and a half to three times more likely that a black person or a black male would be killed by a police officer. And I mean, percentage wise, that's automatically going to be higher because there's black, black Americans, it's about 13% of the United States. So killing two and a half times more, more likely that would be definitely be a higher percentage than what would happen to white or even other races in America. Well, <laughs> and you answered a question that, that uh, I was going to ask you because I know a lot of people uh, and you see it on social media, and I, I, I'm still having a hard time understanding why people are arguing with somebody they don't even know and will never meet and why they think they're actually going to change somebody's mind. But I see on social media that one person posts Black Lives Matter and another post another person posts All Lives Matter, or as you reference, Blue Lives Matter. As a black American, Tracy, is that offensive to you when you see someone um, post that? or say that because is it because it comes across to you as they're trying to minimize black lives matter? What, what is, how do you feel when, when somebody makes the other statement, all lives matter, blue lives matter? Well, it, it, to me, it says something more about them. I mean, if you're, if you're so short sighted that you don't want to see that there's a problem with racism in America and that black lives do matter, nobody's trying to say that, just because you say black lives matter, your life doesn't matter. That's not the case. I mean, I mean, we're all smart enough to know that everybody's lives matter. But the problem is that when when somebody says all lives matter, do they really mean black lives matter as well? Or are they trying to say it to say that, well, black lives don't matter that much? That that is the, that is where the problem comes because um most people are I guess I'm going to say most, I don't know what, what kind of people, but I think most people's response is, you know, they're empathetic and they're, they know that black people are, you know, being, you know, they're being discriminated against. So that's not a problem, but I think the people that are saying it to to negate it, think there's an issue with them. Mm-hmm. I guess if that makes sense. Yeah. Do Do you feel the same way, Tracy, when somebody says "Blue Lives Matter"? Do you think there's that same that that same feeling rises up in people that they're they're trying to do the same thing that they do when they say "All Lives Matter"? Oh yeah, of course. Does Does anybody ever respond to "Blue Lives Matter" with "All Lives Matter"? Have you heard anybody respond to that? Why do they only do it when you say "Black Lives Matter"? I mean, there's a question. I have never heard anybody respond back to Blue Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. Because mm-hmm. obviously they know that All Lives Matter and Blue Lives and actually Blue Lives not really a life. Because, I mean, it's not Blue is not a race. It's just a profession of people. But you don't get that response. So that's how, that's how like, personally, I know that their response of all lives matter is disingenuous when they say it in response to black lives. Yeah. Well, and that's a good segue um, in talking about that from, I want to talk about this whole thing about defunding the police. I have friends that are, uh, that are police officers and, um, and I know that obviously I'm aware that there are bad police officers as a preacher. I know there are bad preachers. I know some bad preachers and that would hold true with any Mm -hmm. profession 
there are bad of, of everything. And of course, you don't want to pigeonhole, you don't want to put everybody in the same category because as the old saying goes, one one because of one bad apple. I'd be curious what your 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 viewpoint is, Tracy, on this whole thing about defunding the police. Uh, Growing up, uh, and let me let me let me backtrack. I remember you and I talking, and this mm-hmm. may have been a year ago. It may have been six months ago. It may have been two years ago. I don't remember. But I know one time I called to ask your opinion on something, because I do respect you, and I do want to understand and recognize that your experience is different than mine. And because I have a lot of confidence in you, and I don't remember all of what you said, but it was another thing you said that really had an impact on me. And you were asking me something along the lines of. Have I ever had to coach my two sons in regards to how to respond when they're pulled over by the police? And when you asked that question, I was, I mean, I almost wanted to say, are you kidding me? No, I've never done that. My father never did it to me. I've never done it. I never had to do that for my sons. And then you elaborated. And again, I can't remember everything that you said, but I know it impacted me about how that as a black mother that you literally had to coach your kids on how to respond if you were pulled over by a police officer. So I know I'm kind of hitting two different bridges at the same time, but if, if you don't mind, remind me, because I don't remember all the details, and and and, and what is some of those things that are, are an example of that, that you had to coach your sons? And then when we get done there, I'd like to, I'd like to know what your opinion is on this whole defund the police thing. Well, I mean, of course, with my with my boys, I've told them all, you know, you can pull over whenever you see it's safe and don't reach for anything. Don't, I mean, when a police officer approaches your car, you don't start reaching in your glove compartment, trying to get your, or reaching in your pockets, trying to get your um, driver's license or your registration. I mean, you need those things. You know you're going to need those things, but don't reach for it. Don't, don't say anything. Keep your hands where they can see them. You know, don't make any sudden movement and be respectful because, I mean, you don't know what that police officer is going to do. And, I mean, my son, one of my sons was down in, our, I guess, a farther south than we are right now. And um, and you're pretty south. A, I won't say where you're at, yeah, but you're well, pretty south. You're about as south yeah, as he was gets. Yeah, he was even further south and in a rural area. And where he, he got a job down there and people he worked with were telling him, well, when you go back home, don't take this road, go this other road, because if you go that way, and these were white, these are white coworkers. Wow. This, if you go that way, the police are going to stop you. Don't go that way. So, I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's a real thing. You have to be careful because you don't know what, what the um, police are going to do. And especially if you are on a, either a rural area or a, you know, a dark road or something, anything can happen to you. And then they can, they can say that, you know, you threatened them or you did this up some other thing and no one will ever know what really happened. I think for me, Tracy, the the thing that that kind of got me about all that was is just the fact that you felt the need to do that. I mean, again, my dad never did that. I know for a fact my wife, Missy, she's never said, okay, guys, you know, y'all sit down and, 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 and let me coach you through this. It, it, it just, again, it, it's so foreign to my experience. And I'm certainly not in any way negating yours or saying it doesn't happen. I know it happens. But it really had an impact on me when you told me that. So, well, and I mean, and you know, all my boys are, you know, they're all they're doing good guys. very well. They're all educated. They all got decent jobs now. And 
said, none of them have gotten in any legal trouble or anything like that. So, I mean, I mean, but still, you know, there's still that chance if they got pulled over, the police officer wouldn't know anything other than he's black and he may be, you know, have drugs in the car, may have a weapon or some other thing. And I mean, even with that, even if they legally have a weapon, I mean, they may have a license to carry a weapon. If the police officer is going to shoot first and ask questions later when it comes to, to my boys, one of my boys, versus maybe you, you're out hunting and you say, well, I got this gun in the car. They're going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Jay, you know, no problem. You know, <laughs> here's a ticket or here's a warning. Just see you later. Have a good day. Yeah, well, and, and you are right. And I was pulled over literally an example of that. I was turkey hunting about two years ago. And we hunt obviously out in the middle of nowhere. And it's not uncommon where we live where meth heads will go out on land that they don't own because of the smell and they don't want to be detected. And so they'll go out in the country and they'll set up these temporary meth labs. And me and a board member were turkey hunting and we pulled over. There's this little uh, diner on the way. And of course, it's closed when we're there at four o'clock in the morning. And we had loaded shotguns, and we were in front of this building. We pulled over because we're about a mile from where we were going, and we were going ahead and getting everything loaded up and ready to go so that once we got on the land, we wouldn't make any noise. And sure enough, there Mm -hmm. was somebody from the sheriff's department that was patrolling because of what goes on out there. And he pulled over, and here's two guys literally standing in the dark. Um, We've got guns, uh, the whole shebang, and... That, that is true. I mean, he pulled over and said, what are you guys doing? And we said, hey, we're going turkey hunting. He said, you guys be careful. I don't know that, that you know, I can't judge this, this sheriff's department guy. I don't know him from Adam, but I can't help but wonder if me and my board member would have been of a different race if it might not have been a different scenario. So I, I do think there's some merit to that. What do you think about this whole mm-hmm. defund the police department? I, I'm going to say right off the bat, I'm against it. Uh, for me personally, I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. I know all of our listeners are not going to agree, and that's fine. That's a great thing about a podcast, um, you know, where we have the opportunity. The people, our listeners have an opportunity to hear different viewpoints from different people, from different walks of life, races, colors, and creeds. And I think that's a great thing. I'm against it. I don't think it makes sense. I think some of these people that um, are for it, that if um, police departments are defunded and crime moves in the neighborhood, I think that they're going to have a change of heart. But I'd be curious what your thought on that is. Well, I don't agree with, I guess, defunding the police department. And I think a lot of that is misconstrued when people say defund. I don't think they literally mean we're going to defund and disband the police. That's not what, from my understanding, that's not what people are saying. What they're more wanting is to reform the police department. Because, I mean, a lot of situations the police go out to, they are not prepared to to deal with. I mean, especially if it's, mental health issues and things like that or somebody's maybe they've taken drugs and they're not you know acting in their right mind or whatever but those situations the police go out there and you get people with mental issues getting killed by the police because they don't know how to deal with that and to say that you know we're going to defund them no but let's reform them let's maybe if there's a person that's got you know mental issue and you know that's what you're going to encounter Send somebody who's trained to go to deal with somebody with mental issues. Send somebody who's trained to deal with somebody who's, you know, on drugs and having a bad trip or whatever. So 
but that way maybe you can avoid getting, you know, somebody getting killed who doesn't necessarily, you know, deserve to be shot out in the street. They just may not know, you know, what's going on or may and, and might be in the right mindset. But that is my, that's just my opinion of what we need to do and what I, what I've read that a lot of people are really saying when they defund the police. I'm apprehensive that even with, I know uh, I've been reading about several metropolitan cities that have decreased their budget in the millions. I, I fear that crime is going to be on the rise. Do you hold that same sentiment? I guess it depends on how they're doing it. I don't believe that the police should be militarized. They shouldn't have military gear and be going out there and, you know, like the military and taking people down that way. But I think they do need to have the money to do their job, yes, and to, you know, cut their budgets down to where there's nothing. I don't think that's right either because we do need the police. And I think I don't think there's anybody that's disagreeing that we don't need a police force, you know, in the neighborhood, to, you know, to take care of crime and that kind of thing. But I think it's more of, like I said, to reform them and to have them actually serve and protect is what they're supposed to be doing, not come down there and take people down and shoot them in the streets and be judge, jury, and execution. So, I, so you know, taking, defunding them, well, I guess it, it can be done in a certain way. I guess it, I guess there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, but just cutting a budget and leaving them kind of hanging out to dry, that's not the right way to do it. Well, obviously this, this, um, this was all instigated from the George Floyd accident. And we're going to circle back to that in a minute, but I want to kind of get to the collateral, what I see as damage of that. Um, I, do you feel like that some of what was originally supposed to be a message about reform and change and activism has now been turned, the, the motives have been twisted? I mean, like for me personally, when I see people, and I'm not saying it's just black Americans because I've seen all races and colors and creeds. It seems as though what the media tends to show is, is black Americans. Do you feel like the looting and the burning and the destruction and some of these little zones that have been set up by different races where they're, 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 they're defacing government buildings and do you feel like that is distorted what was initially intended to be a message of something's wrong and needs to be fixed? I mean, how did how, Tracy, how do you mm -hmm. feel when you see on national news these lootings and burning down buildings and defacing government buildings? How, how do you feel like about that? Do you feel like, I know the leader of the Black Lives Movement basically said it is what it is and I don't have a problem with it. I, I do. I was wondering, how do you feel? Do you have a problem with it? I don't think, I mean, the looting, like I said, I think I've said it before, looting and rioting, I don't think that, I mean, that doesn't really, I guess, help the situation in any way. And it's, and, it's, and basically it's a lot of, I guess, an opportunistic way for people to go in out and commit crimes and, you know, steal from other people. And then, you know, they can go out there and, break windows and stores and run off with TVs and stuff like that. That, that I don't think is beneficial. And even, I mean, as long as they're, I mean, like I said, peaceful protesting, I don't have a problem with that. But when you start defacing property and destroying property and that kind of thing, I think at that point you've gone, you know, beyond trying to get your message out in it. And people start ignoring your message 
and paying more attention to all these crimes that are taking place. And I also think it's just a lot of, and it's not always Black Lives Matter. They're committing the crimes either. I mean, I've, some of the newscasters, other groups out there, and they're committing crimes and trying to blame it on Black Lives Matter as, as well. So I guess we have to, we have to, I guess, put it in perspective who is actually doing some of these crimes. Is it is it Black Lives Matter people? Is it some other you know activist group that want to make Black Lives Matter look bad? Or I mean, is it just somebody just altogether different that's just out there because there's an opportunity to commit crime and so they're going to do it? I think there's definitely some of that, and I don't think anybody can deny it. I mean, uh, I think some of that is Antifa, and I, I think there's different organizations that that want to come in and distort the message. And and the truth of it is, it's hard to discern who is a peaceful protester and who's not because a lot of times they're, they are mixed in together like you. I, I have no problem with protesting. That's an American right uh, that people like you serve the military for us to have that right. But I do think that when the media coverage shows these clips of what uh, appear to be from media coverage, predominantly black Americans burning and looting, I, I think that feeds in, to a racist mindset where people of other races feel angered at black Americans seeing that behavior. Do you think that's, it's not, I'm not saying, do you think it's legitimate, but do you think that it, it, it does feed into that narrative of a certain anger towards the black community because they're seeing just one side of, of, Oh, oh sure. Sure. Cause I mean, if a lot, I, I, if I look at this way, a lot of foreign people that I guess, come from, you know, out of, out of the United States that come here and don't know anything about black people, that's what they learn about black people or, and just people in America in general by watching TV. So if the only thing they see is the news showing black people rioting or they're, you know, destroying property or whatever, and they never see, I mean, they're not going to see on TV somebody like me living a normal life or like my sorority sisters last night as we were talking living a normal life, having, you know, raising our children and, you know, um, going to church and, you know, being people of faith, they're not going to see those people on TV. They don't show us because we're, I guess, uninteresting or we don't, we don't serve any kind of agenda. But they're going to show, you know, the people that are out there doing the things that, um, you know, that are destructive. So, I mean... I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, like, I, I do. Yeah, I mean, I get, it's just hard to, I guess, convey that what you see on TV isn't necessarily what people are, you know, or what all, you know, just what all people are. And I get, and again, like you said, that I mean, does that feed into racism? Well, yeah, because if white Americans are looking at that and thinking, well, that's how black people are, and and then I come and I move in their neighborhood, and they're all staring at me with three you know young and teenage boys guess what they're going to be thinking well those black teenage boys are going to be here and they're going to be running rampant in the street and they're going to be destroying property and they're going to be doing all these things and there goes the neighborhood but, and they don't know me from that right and they're just going to make that general assumption well so, I, but i will say i will throw in that later those neighbors did get to know us and they 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 became very good friends about us. right <laughs> Well, I think you made an important point when you distinguished that they might not show Tracy 
and her husband, who are law-abiding citizens, who've never been in trouble with the law, who are people of faith, who are um, great citizens, educated, godly people, because they, I think in some cases they might not because you don't fit into a narrative. And I, I do believe, regardless mm-hmm. of what network it is, they all, ha- excuse me, they all have their agenda and they all have their net, a narrative that they are, they're, they're trying to push. Uh, real quickly, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time here left, this, this, this all started with what happened to, to George Floyd. And you and I discussed this on the phone not long ago. And let me just set the table on this. First and foremost, what happened to George Floyd? I don't think anybody in the world, and, and if, if, if you can justify what happened to George Floyd, in my opinion, you've got a problem. What happened to George Floyd is it's without excuse. It should never have happened. Mm-hmm. I believe the officers, I think anytime you put your knee on somebody's neck and hold them down for 10 minutes, whatever it was, uh, it's inexcusable, period. Um, and I think they should be prosecuted. I think they should go to prison. And there's nothing that George Floyd did that merited that. Now, let me make a caveat. After having clearly stated that what happened was wrong and not justifiable, the body cam footage was released about a week and a half ago, and that's a whole nother discussion as to why it was just released a week and a half ago when it should have been released a long time ago. George Floyd, uh, I mean, he was passing a counterfeit $20 bill. Obviously, you don't deserve to die for that. George Floyd, according to the autopsy report, was under the influence of drugs, partially of which was fentanyl. Again, does not in any way justify what happened to him in any shape or form. On the body cam footage, he did resist arrest for somewhere between eight and ten minutes. Uh, there was no racial epithets mentioned. Uh, matter of fact, they offered to put him in the, in the car and roll down the windows and turn on the air conditioner. Even sitting in the backseat of the car, he made comments that he couldn't breathe, which I do think may have played a role into them not taking seriously, which they should have, when he was on the ground saying, I can't breathe, because he did say that in the backseat of the car. So where am I going with all this? Um, now, he did he did resist arrest. Again, he wasn't in the influence of drugs. He 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 was doing something illegal. Um, we all know because we've all heard about his. He had a long criminal record. He he held a, a pregnant woman at gunpoint, put the gun to her stomach. We all know that. We've all heard that. My question to you is is I think for a lot of people, what bothers them and and granted, when a person dies, people always only bring out the good. It's not the time to point out the faults of when somebody, uh, that's just not the way funerals go. But it seems as though it's not uncommon that someone that has a long criminal record, that has a history of being in trouble with the law, which again, he was, which doesn't justify what happened. I can't say that enough. I've made that clear as I crystal clear as I possibly can. But one of the things that troubles me personally is the picture that's painted of sometimes in these scenarios where, well, this individual was just a God-fearing, great individual, and they served their community, and they were just a blessing to everybody, and they paint them out to be a choir boy. And, And I think that causes animosity where people feel like, okay, no, you don't have to bring up every wrong thing that he ever did. You wouldn't do that at anybody's funeral. But it's misleading to make it sound as though this is an individual who was walking down the street jaywalking, 
and he got pulled over and and ended up being murdered. Again, it doesn't justify being murdered, but I mean, goodness gracious, whether you're black, white, yellow, brown, whatever, just obey the law. You know, when you're told to do something by the police, as you said earlier, just do it. So my question to you is this, should, is it is it understandable why many people feel animosity about people like George Floyd being presented as a choir boy when they weren't? And secondly, is does it even matter, in your opinion, that George Floyd had the long criminal record, stuck a gun to a president? I mean, did all those things even matter? Are they Do they play in the, I mean, they do play in the narrative, but is it right to do so? Um, I don't think, I think I told you before, I don't think his, his past matters. Now, whether they're paying as a choir boy, I mean, like, I, like you said, I think that was more of, you know, he's deceased now, let's not bring out his, his criminal record kind of thing. But, I mean, his past and whatever criminal record he had really don't have any kind of bearing on the fact of that he was killed by the police. He was, was he resisting arrest? Well, I watched some of the body cam footage and he was more like complaining about getting in the car. He said he couldn't breathe. He wanted to just lay on the ground. That may have been the drug, the, you know, the fact that he had been taking some drugs, something like that. And like I said before, it had the police been more equipped to deal with somebody who was, you know, under the influence of drugs, maybe that would have turned out a different way. Let him lay on the ground and call the ambulance, whatever. But, I mean, the fact that he's, people are uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, he has been painted as a good person when he's done all this bad thing, I don't think that matters. I mean, you know, me and your people of faith, we've read the Bible. There's a whole lot of people in the Bible that do some bad things did some really bad things, but they were good people. And they and they changed the world. And, and um, one of the things that uh, George Floyd's daughter said, that daddy changed the world. Well, he changed the world with his death, and God can, God can use anybody. And, you know, anybody, any kind of walk of life to, to change the world. And he did that. He changed the world. He brought, he brought light on something that, you know, like I said, has been in the shadows of America. He brought it out in broad daylight and had a man standing on the neck and killed a guy in broad daylight on on um, on video. So without that happening, we would still be the same way we were before before George Floyd was killed. We'd be still in a situation where somebody gets killed by the police. We find a way to, you know, I guess excuse it away and say, well, they did this or well, they did that. Well, they arrested, resisted. Well, I don't see any video. Well, what happened to the video before that? What happened, you know, when they, before they started filming? You get all of those excuses when now it happened right out in the open and everybody saw it and everybody see when once everybody sees that, then it's a problem that they, they can actually deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm extremely troubled by his murder and that's, I don't see how anybody in their right mind could call it anything less than that. That's the main issue, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And I'm bothered about it. And and any person, especially any person should be bothered by it and should call it murder. And especially if, if you call yourself a believer, but for me personally and being honest, it did bother me because I have seen in several scenarios that it does seem that the media 
does misrepresent sometimes, and maybe it matters, maybe it doesn't. I'm just being honest to say that it bothered me mm-hmm. that it seemed as though they were painting him out to be, you know, something that he wasn't. I'm a white guy. I've, I've not been to prison. Well, I've been to prison a lot speaking, but I've never been incarcerated. Uh, but um, I, I, when, when, when I do get pulled over by the police, because I have been known to speed, I, 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 I obey the law. If they tell me to do something, I do it. And, and I, I would expect that regardless of my skin color, that if I, if I don't obey the police, that, that I am looking for trouble. Well, you know, Tracy, at the end of the day, and, and there's so many different issues here, and uh, you know mm-hmm. I love you. I, I really do. I have great respect for you and your family. Um, you're a sister in Christ. And, you know, we don't always agree on everything. Uh, but I always value your opinion, and 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 you know that because throughout the years I've commonly reached out to you, because I do want to understand. I, I I don't have the experience, obviously, of a Black American, and so rather than just isolating myself and saying, well, because I haven't experienced certain things, they're not real. I want to understand the mindset. That's the reason that our podcast two weeks ago. Um, I had on a guy that's a good friend of mine who's an atheist who comes over to my house mm-hmm. and eats dinner, who comes over to my house and watches ball games. Um, I think it's important to be able to understand differing view, viewpoints and perspectives and experiences. I think that's valid. The thing that you and I have in common to me that's most important above everything, and I think this is a great way to to bring this all together, is you and I are family in Christ. We come from different parts of the country. We have completely different experiences. We have different skin color. But one thing we have in common that's the most important is you and I both believe in Jesus Christ. We both accepted him as our Lord and Savior. We're going to spend eternity in heaven together. And and that's the key issue. Um, I don't think that Biden nor Trump nor any other politician has the power or the ability to change this country. I think what changes people is a heart change, and I think that's something that only God can do. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be um, activists. It doesn't mean that we should be disengaged. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be involved. I'm not saying that. For me personally, I believe that only God can bring and turn this country around. And I, I think you agree with that sentiment. I agree, yeah, I do. I would be curious, Tracy, in kind of wrapping this thing up, um, and I asked you this last week, Um if you had any personal insight of what you thought, you know, if you were put on national television today and CNN or Fox or MSNBC or whatever network said, Tracy, what can be done to build race relations? Because at the end of the day, race relations, regardless of which side of the fence you stand on, regardless if you're for uh, BLM or not for BLM or for funding the police or not for it, at the end of the day, we all recognize there is an issue and there has been an issue. And some people think it's greater than what it, uh, the issue's bigger than, than what the media portrays it. Some people feel like the media is overstating it. But if somebody put you on television today and said, Tracy, speak to the nation, what can be done? What is the main thing that can be done to build race relations? What, what would you say? Well, the first thing, we have to admit there is a problem. I mean, that is the first thing. And once we admit there is a problem, then we have to be able to come together to fix it. And that includes, you know, that's going to involve listening. We get, listen to the other person. Understand, try to understand where that other person comes from. Try to put yourself in their position. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but have you ever thought about what it would be like to be 
a different race in America. What would your experience be? You have to be able to, and it's, I know it's difficult to, to be able to do that, but, but you have to be able to have empathy, you know, for your fellow American as well. And like you said, don't do things that are going to be a stumbling block to that person. I mean, if there, if, you know, if, if it's a situation where a statue or a flag is going to cause it to be a stumbling block for a person, then, you know, don't do it. You know, if you want to have the flag, put the flag in your house or whatever, but don't put it out there where it's going to offend somebody. And I think first, I think those are the things we just really need to listen and be willing to change. I think there's a lot of lack of willingness to change too, but we have to be willing to change as well. Well, and I know something that you said uh, on a recent conversation and talking about this, and I, th- I thought, honestly, it's a great wrap-up. You said mm-hmm. that at the end of the day, we've got to love our neighbor. And I thought, what a great right. statement. It's such a simple statement that you made, and people might just brush it off and go, okay, yeah, whatever. But the truth of the matter is there's so much weight and so much power to your statement that above everything else, put loving your neighbor above everything else. Now, we know that Jesus said that. The great commandment is first to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And, right. and, and matter of fact, Jesus even said in John 13, 34, he not only said that you're to love your neighbor, he said you're to love your neighbor as much as I loved your neighbor. And, and I just right. thought it was such a great comment that you made. Not only is it a scriptural comment, but it's a comment for everybody that, yeah, these are some practical things that you mentioned that can be done. You know, when you talk about listening, when you talk about trying to empathize, trying to put yourself in the shoes of another. But I still think mm-hmm. your greatest statement was was uh, loving your neighbor. And that's real easy to say, but it's real hard to do sometimes because sometimes that means being inconvenienced. Sometimes that means tolerating completely different viewpoints or ideas or experiences. Um, sometimes that in- involves... Um, a giving of time that you may not have or money that you may not have. But I just thought it was a lot of wisdom when, when you said that. And honestly, I feel like that it's, it's probably something that would be pretty near to what we might hear Jesus Christ say himself. Uh, I know that the Lord changed your life and I know he changed my life and I know I've got a long way to go. I'm sure you would agree with the, with the same, the, the same thing. We've not arrived, but thank God we're not who we used to be. Uh, but we agree in Christ and we respect one another, and we agree that the hope for this this country is nothing more, nothing less than Jesus Christ himself. Yeah, and I just I wanted to add on to that, that, you know, you know, I know you've heard it said, and I've heard it said that the most segregated time in America is on Sunday morning, and I think people look in their churches and think that heaven is going to be just like my church. Well, heaven is not going to be like your church. Heaven's going to be... <laughs> All races, colors, creeds, they're going to be there. Those are going to be your neighbors in heaven. So if you're sitting there in church every Sunday morning thinking, you know, all my, you know, white friends or all my black friends or all my Asian friends or whatever, are these are the people I'm going to be, you know, next to in heaven, you're going to be very shocked and surprised. So, I mean, right now, while we're here on earth, I mean, we need to really think about that and, start to love our neighbors because those are going to be our neighbors for eternity. Yeah, it's such a great point. And we won't dovetail off on that, but you are right. Uh, one of the most segregated days and hours of the week is Sunday morning. That's a travesty. 
a good discussion for another time. Tracy, thank you so much, mm -hmm. not only for being my friend, not only for being a sister in Christ, not only for serving uh, this ministry and serving Christ through this ministry, um, partially uh, on a volunteer basis when you served this ministry and you weren't getting paid a dime, you just did it because you wanted to help mm -hmm. out. Um, I, I love your family. I love your husband. Y'all are great people. I have so much respect for you. And I, I'm also thankful that you've been willing over the years to, whether it's a, a text or whether it's an instant message or whether it's a phone call, uh, to give your viewpoints and to help me try to gain a better understanding. It's been a blessing to have you on today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jay, and I appreciate you um, thinking of me when you decided to do this, and I appreciate the opportunity, and it's been great. I always enjoy talking to you. We have always have great conversations. Thanks again, Tracy. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Jay Ladder Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you next time.